conquer local. It's really a breath of fresh air. Good times. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Hosted by Jeff Tomlin. Welcome to the Conquer Local podcast. Our show features successful sales leaders, marketers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who will inspire you with their success stories. Each episode is packed with practical strategies as our guests share their secrets to achieving their dreams. Listen in to learn the highlights of their remarkable accomplishments and get tips to revamp, rework, and reimagine your business. Whether you're a small business owner, a marketer, or aspiring entrepreneur, the Conquer Local podcast is your ultimate guide to dominating your local market. Tune in now to take your business to the next level. I'm Jeff Tomlin, and on this episode, we're pleased to welcome Casper Cieslu. Casper is the Chief Commercial and Creative Officer at Zeit and is an award-winning marketer and creative professional with a rich history working alongside major international brands like Apple, Lego, and Mars. His leadership extends to building and guiding in-house creative departments for esteemed organizations such as Maersk and George Jensen. From the startups to global giants, Casper's career showcases remarkable versatility and adaptability in diverse business landscapes. As an accomplished author, Casper has made significant contributions to the industry with his two best-selling books, Moving In-House and Win-Win House, reflecting his deep insights into in-house marketing dynamics. With over two decades of experience in advertising, he's also worked as an illustrator and a storyboard artist. He's a frequent keynote speaker at marketing events, contributing significantly to the industry. Get ready, Conquerors, for Casper C.S. Lou, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Casper, hey, welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast. Hey. Thanks so much for taking some time to join us and uh, chat for a little bit. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I mean, it's really nice uh, talking to you and being here, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Right on. And you and now you're uh, you're calling in the podcast from halfway around the world. You're over in Denmark right now. Yeah, um, I'm in uh, yeah, in Copenhagen in mm-hmm. Scandinavia, uh, Denmark. So kind of far away from where you are at the moment. Fantastic. Well, hey, um why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit of, of, about your journey here. Um especially your journey from traditional advertising into uh in-house marketing and uh and and maybe a little bit about what sparked the shift in in your career. Yeah, so I spent the first fifteen years of my career working at a traditional advertising agency, moving up, working with uh, yeah a lot of car brands. I don't really know why. I just you know that's one thing leading to another, uh, but also yeah some some great uh, yeah brands like Mars and uh, Apple and so on. And then at one point, I ended up being kind of in the, I don't know what's called, a tech team. So we were, me and my partner were thrown in at all the pitches we had to do. And we we got in and we won a lot of them. But as soon as we won the pitch, we were on to the next thing. And I kind of missed following things through and actually being able to to see how things turned out. And, and sometimes I think also the creative idea is not necessarily in the main campaign or in the film or whatever you're doing at the center, but sometimes it's on the edges. And I never got to do that. So at one point I really got got tired of, of everything. And then I had a yeah, an old friend who said, yeah, you know, at Maersk, uh, which is this big container ship logistic company, 
uh, from Denmark. They are really looking for uh, some new blood, so to speak. Um, there's a new girl coming in as head of marketing, and she wanted to do something differently. So I said, well, didn't really hurt to talk to her. So I, I, I wrote her a note, and, and she said, yeah, can you come in uh, tomorrow? And I went there, and she said, oh, that's great. Can you start on Monday? So I had to quit the other job, of course. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, uh, then I was at Maersk. And uh, the thing with Maersk is you get sent around the world in the, in the beginning to, just to know the business. And I went to Egypt, and I went, went to India. Um, and the Philippines as well. Um, and when I came back, she said, so what did you notice? And I said, oh, I realized that we're doing a lot of the same thing things, all, all the different places. We're doing the same brochure for online booking in India and Egypt uh, with two different agencies. And uh, maybe there's something we should do about it. Maybe we should have some, you know, some kind of team who could collect these things and maybe reuse them. And she said, oh, that's great. Can you do that? Can you build that in-house agency? Uh, and this was in, I think, October or November or something like that. And she said, can you open 1st of February? And there are a few guys you can you can take from a, a PowerPoint team in Manila. See if you can go there and, and, and use any of them. And that was kind of the start of everything. So I went to the Philippines. I had to figure out how to run an in-house agency. Uh, I didn't know that, and I didn't really have anyone to ask, so so I kind of made a lot of mistakes <laughs> on yep. that journey. Um, but it worked, and I built this platform where you can have briefs in, and we started out, and I think the first Monday that we opened up, we had 65 campaign briefs for a team of 20 people, uh, and there was big wow. campaigns with social media and banners and so on, so we were swamped. Uh, and then we we had to look at how we're doing this. So, and that's kind of where I started with all the the processes and workflows. So I come from a creative background and I really still see myself as the creative guy, but I just realized that if we were to have time to do the great creative stuff, we actually had to figure out a way to run the process because we couldn't do back and forth and and all these different variations all the time. So that's why I started drawing swim lanes and processes and so on. And after a couple of years, I switched job to uh, something completely different. And what do you call it? Uh, tech company, but it's always also an investment bank. Um, or they came from an investment bank and then developed into a, a fintech company. And when I started building the in-house agency there, because that was what I was recruiting for, I realized that. 85, 90% of the flows and processes were exactly the same. Um, I mean, you don't have to reinvent the new way to, to create a, a social media post or a banner or something like that. So, so, um, so that was kind of a, a revelation to me that, that everything was actually the same, that you didn't have to reinvent the process. It's the same thing. And then you can you can add in the creativity and the different brands and and how it looks and feels and everything. But that's in the first part when you when you roll things out, translation versioning is the same. But, that totally resonates, but, you know. And for me, I'm not the process guy. Um, but one thing I've learned in my career is that you can never get away from it. Like everything comes down. If you want to scale anything, any part of your business, it comes down to people, plan, and process. 
And so you, you, exactly. you, you can't get rid of, you know, having to deal with and, and master your processes at some point. So that, I mean, that really resonates. You, you wrote a book on the, on the topic now. Um, and, uh, it's I actually called- wrote two books. Uh, so I started out, uh, after, so after the, the bank, I went to a jewelry company, so something completely different. And again, it was the same. And after that, I thought, okay, I got to tell some, someone about this. Because everywhere I talked about it, people said, oh, that's, that's new. We never heard about that. So, so I actually wrote a, a book called Moving In-House. How about the structure things and work with creativity in a, in a structured way. And then we started the company that I'm in now uh, called Site, where we built on-site agencies. So, and then we wrote a new book called The Win-Win House um, in there. Give us, a, give us a couple of takeaways from... Uh... Uh, either both or, or, or one of the books that uh, you'd like to share with the audience? I mean, I have a couple of quotes that I, that I always like. It's not something from, from me. It's like the first one is, is, is from uh, Chuck Close, who said, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us go to work. And I always use that with my creative people because I know so many creative people who are struggling with... Um, what do you call it? The, the, the doubt in themselves and, and everything. And they have to do different things and they never know if inspiration will hit them. And I really think the more that I work with creativity, it's methods and processes and so on. So, so I really like that one. And that's what we try to put in the book. Try to, to figure out all the things that you can, you can do. You can process everything that you have a method for or process or workflow or ways of working or whatever you call it. Um, then you can start creating your ideas and it's just about creating a lot of ideas. So that's, that's my, <laughs> that's my main, yeah. my, my main point. My main takeaway is that you can, you can actually work with these processes, this structure, and then you get, you get more time and you get more freedom for your creativity. So it's, yeah. it's really a mean to, to where you, I'm, I want to go. I was just going to say, I'm curious um, with all the advancements in AI over the last year, are, are there things that you would add to the book now, especially, you know, being, you know, um, process focused? Uh, are there things that you'd add to the book now with, uh, with all of these different advancements this last year? There are, and that's why I'm actually writing on a, on a new, new one at the moment. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we're not anywhere near, I, I actually don't know where people are with AI. Everybody seems to be talking a lot. I haven't seen those great examples yet um but but we're using ai for a lot of the things for, for me i mean in the creative process i always talk about getting shit done do a lot of ideas it's really it's really difficult to come up with a hundred bad ideas in a row so yeah. if you develop a hundred ideas like some that. of them gotta be decent and if you share them with other people you get to the next level and next level and then you have something okay that you can work from and that's where we're using AI at the moment is, you know, getting to that first 50%, giving us those brainstorm ideas that we were going to do anyway. So, so I think that's, that's a really, that, that I would have put in. This is a way that you can work with creativity and AI. Uh, so it's, it's very much in the, in the wordings and, and in the brainstorming process, I think, at the moment. For me, the best creativity is actually where you hit, you know, you, you solve the human problem behind the business problem. Nice. So, so, so if you have that insight into how people see things or all the weird thing that you notice that you can actually use, uh, 
I always use this example that, you know, people who don't have a car, they always tend to slam the door too hard. Yeah. But all these small things that you notice, I think it's going to be difficult for AI for the next two, three, four years, I don't know, to actually use that. It's, but it's really good at coming up with ways to express it or get me started on something. So, yeah. Casper, your, your, creative, your, your creative process of uh, get shit done is the first creative process. Now I can understand clearly. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, are there common mistakes that you see that uh, when people are building their, their in-house teams that are, are sort of common mistakes um, you see companies making? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, normally when we come in, sometimes we take over an existing team and we can normally optimize it by 30 to 40 percent. Um, and that's because they don't, I mean, at agencies, it's really it's really not a good business to run an agency, to be quite fair. We're, we're, we're selling the hours and we're only taking a small profit. So at least here in Scandinavia, it's, it's, it's not it's not a good deal. So. But what we learned from that is to optimize the processes again, the flows, actually having project managers or account managers taking care of that. And what we see a lot is that they have not necessarily an entire in-house team. They have creative people or doers within the marketing team, and they are running around and they say, oh, it's so easy. I can just stand next to your screen. I can just do this and that. So they don't really pull out and come back with a creative idea or a new input. And they also let the, the creative people be their own project managers or uh, yeah, uh, process managers and so on. So they answer emails. They get disturbed all the time by emails and phone calls. And, and it's, it's, it's difficult to get in the zone when you're getting disturbed all the time by notifications and so forth. So that's, that's, that's the really, really where we can optimize and you can optimize in a yeah, heartbeat is by letting the creative people be creative and take them out of the workflow. Don't swamp them in any meetings and so on. They don't need to know things until they're actually working on, on it. Um, that's the yeah. most common mistake we've, we've seen. Actually. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I want to make sure I get this first. Your your title at Zeit is you're the chief commercial officer. Um, uh, you've you've men mentioned balancing in house and external teams a bit, and I and I wanted to dig into that a little bit. Like, how do you decide which services you you're going to do in house and which services you're going to use external teams for, and and does you know does it matter too much? Yeah, it matters a lot. So, so when we look at it, we normally don't go for the top tier. I mean, the really creative work, we always recommend that you buy at a, not a full full-service agency, but, but finding a really creative uh, boutique or something like that. Because people who work with a lot of different brands all the time, a lot of, get a lot of input, they're really good at doing the really creative stuff or the specialist tasks. So normally we don't recommend to take that in-house. It's also difficult to bring in those rock stars, yeah. <laughs> creative people yeah. to your small in-house team. And if you manage to bring them in, you will you will drain them, you will get they will get bored and they will don't they won't do what you are, you want them to do. So we recommend to 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 leave the top tier out of the equation and let somebody else do that. But as soon as you get to the you know, the day-to-day -day creative stuff where you have the, the playing field drawn up, you know what to do. You're not doing the new brand campaign, but you're doing the 
product campaign because you know the products and so on. That makes a lot of sense. So the the content, the products uh, launch and so on. And then we also look at the bottom of the of the house, so to speak, yeah. the production side where it makes a lot of sense if you're a big company with a lot of complexity, different languages, versioning and so on, to look for offshore or look for tools in, in, in that area. Um, so, so you only take you know the roles that make sense because it, it's a lot easier when you have someone in there who knows the product, especially when it's complicated. Um, I mean, cars we can all do or, or chewing gum, but as soon as you get to something like investment banking or, or I don't know, some industri industrial product where you actually need to know a lot, it takes a lot of time to, to, to teach the creative agent, the external creative agency, all the things you want them to know. That's what you can do with the, with the in-house team. But then the in-house team has the, the, the paradox of proxima, uh, proximity. So, so when you're too close to things, it's hard to see yourself from the outside. It's hard to have that outside-in perspective. So it's, it's, it's a battle all the time. Uh, what we're doing is we, we have a travel team between our agencies that we bring in just for two days, one day, or a couple of hours to, to just kick things up and, and inspire. But then we have the in-house team working with it. And it doesn't have to be like our model. You can bring in, you can call a really great creative team and just ask them to come in and do ideas and then take it from there. So you don't need to buy everything. That's uh, yeah. that's our model. That's yeah. how we, we we see things work really well. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. See, you, you know, you were alluding to, you know, once you have the house, uh, built, you know, your teams can can get to work and they focus and they know what to do. Give me some of your your top tips for optimizing processes for you know an in-house team. The first thing is is actually figuring out the services that you want to do. I mean, it's it sounds I know it sounds really boring, but let me just explain. So so yeah. figuring out what what kind of things do you want to do with your in-house team, then look at how would it be great to do them. Just note down all the bits and pieces in that process from getting a request, should you have a tool that you can actually file, you know, fill in and on a form on a website or something like that, or should people call you or come in or something like that? It doesn't really matter, but you have that briefing form for every, every kind of process that you're doing. So if you're doing a lot of case videos or you're doing website optimization, note down all the steps. I think we have around 38 different processes then a lot of them have you know the same kind of steps, but 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 just knowing what to do uh, really makes it a lot easier. Um, yeah, I actually use this example sometimes. I used to play bass, uh, you know, in back Saw when I was young. There. I used to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, looking, it looks nice. An old old double bass. Yeah, um, and I used to play this uh, jazz club where we had really great. I'm not that good. We had really great musicians coming in, sitting in every Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And I was playing like together with the, with the drummer. We were the backing band. And then great people came in. Uh, and we kind of knew the songs. So it's kind of back to the processes. We knew what we were going to play. And then they could jam on top of it because we knew the standards, so to speak. Um, and and I, I like that kind of your parallel, so to speak, because that's ex what what your in-house team should do. They should know the, the, the processes, the workflows, 
And then it's much easier to say, oh, this, this is kind of this workflow we take down here. So that's the, that's the first thing we do. We, we really map the workflows, structure things, all the boring stuff. <laughs> I really think, you know, organizations don't spend enough time on the processes because, that, you know, as you start scaling, you know, almost every aspect of the business needs processes. And if you don't have them in place and this the repeatability in your, in your business, it gets really, really hard to scale, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, you often see it when you bring a new team in. The first half year, eight months, everything's great. People are working. They're not doing what they're good at, but everything is just hunky-dory and you're working and uh, everything's good. Then you start to lose that momentum and people are doing the wrong things at the wrong time. And you get really, you know, you get swamped. You have people doing the same things, two places and so on. And that's where you need it because it, it's great at a startup that everything just you're running and you are enthusiastic about everything. But when you scale and when you get to that point, you will get in trouble if you don't, you know, if you don't do what, don't know what you're supposed to do yeah. uh, and who's doing what at the time. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, a favorite story or, or or anecdote about the you know yeah Catherine you've done a lot of things in your career clearly and now you know authored a couple books on it and and seen and done a lot of things um, do you have a favorite story or anecdote where you, you had a, a an amazing outcome and you can uh, attribute some of that to to the process and the way that you approach things Yeah, I actually have one. So, but it's yeah. It's not about the process, actually. It's more like being in-house and being able to, to see things in a different way. So yeah. so back when I was working at, at George Jensen, this jewelry company, yeah. uh, we've just built a new website and it's very Scandinavian, pale looking, uh, no colors or something like that. And we have uh, had a British head of e-com and he came down and said, yeah, guys, this is too Scandinavian. People, you know, they don't buy any rings. They can't buy the buy button. We need to change the color to something more that's popping more. And we said, ah, it can't, it can't be the problem with the color on the button and so on. So, so normally, I mean, if you're an agency, you would just do as you're told, I guess. Yeah. But we had the time and we had the possibility to actually go up and talk to some of the guys who are just sitting upstairs and say, can, can you show us something on this? And he said, yeah, look here, all the guys, they're coming in here, they go to the, to the product page, they find a ring, they click on it, they go to the, to the, yeah, to the product page itself, uh, and then they click buy, and they click buy, and they click buy, and then they realize there's this small dropdown on top of the buy button where you have to select the ring size so when you click on that, you get these 16 sizes for rings, finger rings. And then there are these 10 seconds where everything just froze, the mouse was still, and then they left. And then we said, it's, it's not the problem with the color. They found the buy button. They found it three times. They clicked on it. The problem is that nobody knows the size of their girlfriend's ring finger uh, or the ring they need. So let's do something different. And then we we... We actually sat down and talked about it and we developed a small app where you could steal a ring or borrow a ring from your loved one and put it on the screen and you could see the size. And yeah, and that was basically it. Very, very simple to, to do. It didn't cost a lot. Very cool. But the best part was we did a small film. We didn't have any money. It wasn't in the budget to do this. So, so we did it almost ourselves standing there with metal rulers in the stop stores to make sure that screen size matches and so on. 
And then we did the small film just of a guy stealing a borrowing a ring from his loved one. And we put it on our Instagram and then it kind of exploded because all the girls were just tagging their husbands and say, look, Thomas, this is something for you. Or yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe this is what you need or something like that. So, so, and I think for me, this it's, it's a great example of, of, you know, being in-house, being close to business, being able to stop things that doesn't make sense and look at that, you know, the human problem. It's not a technical problem. It's not the color of the button. It's actually something that we can all relate to. I can't tell you how many times, <laughs> though, I, you know, I've seen not only other companies, but I've seen ourselves in, in, internally stop short in the optimization process where, you know, oftentimes, you know, there's there's one thing if you if you keep digging can make a real dramatic impact on on the ultimate yeah. you know success of of the workflow that you're trying to create or the campaign that you're running yeah that's a great story i love that um you had so, a so, yeah you had a couple of takeaways for the uh, for the audience what would they be i mean the first one is 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 uh, if you're a creative guy i would start looking at a structure for coming up with ideas there are a lot of great methods to that so that's like that's for the creative people it's demystifying the inspiration part i mean it doesn't i'm not saying that you shouldn't look for inspiration it's just what i can see is if you sit down put your phone away shut your computer put out a piece of paper because if it works with a blank ink marker i know it's i'm so old-fashioned but if it works with a black ink marker on a white piece of paper and you can see that this is a great idea it will look amazing when you bring in photographers ai whatever um industrial light and magic and do everything so that's for the creative people start doing those hundred ideas and and you will do great stuff the rest is try if, if you're building an in-house agency i think the, the the next thing would be look at what the agencies are doing look at those flows you know the, the having the project managers or task managers handling things have the specialists do what they do best but don't make them don't force them into too many meetings don't swamp them in 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 background knowledge and so on and don't make them do you know all the things that they're not good at then look at you know maybe you have production people or you have activation people try to set it up like like a flow like like most agencies would actually do that's why i see most in-house agencies fail so and then the last one i think would would be you know look for the human the human problem dig dig a bit deeper if 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 something if something strikes you as that can't be right then it's probably not so yeah. so so back to the ring size or idea yeah. i would say you know it's it's okay to doubt things because uh, i mean that's where you you find the great uh, stuff sometimes yeah love it i think we i think we have a a, a giveaway or a landing page that's been created too so that people can access your ebook yeah, I, I put the entire book up uh, on a page for you. Uh, so yeah, so you can you can have it <laughs> as a PDF, uh, and you can just uh, download. Yeah, I just it's completely free. There's no strings attached at all. I don't even have to. You don't even have to fill in your no name or number or something like that. That's awesome, and we'll put the link uh, underneath the episode. Casper, yeah. um, it's been an absolute pleasure spending a few time a few minutes with you and, and chatting about the. Uh, creative teams. Um, if people wanted to continue the conversation and get a hold of you, how do they reach you? They can reach me at, at sites.agency or they can go to uh, the book whips, uh, the book called Win Win House. 
uh, win win house dot com and they can uh, I just had it here and they can uh, yeah they can they can read more about the book and they can also find us there so awesome Casper uh, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking time out of your at the end of your very busy day um, out in uh, in yeah, Copenhagen no really, and I find inspiration in talking to to people like you with yeah uh, so so it's really ple- been a pleasure to to be here. Yeah, and and likewise from 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 our end. I hope uh, I hope that uh, we can do this again sometime down in the future. You can come back and and uh, share more anecdotes with us. Uh, pleasure getting to know you a little bit, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. A really interesting guy, uh, and great lessons and anecdotes there. And the first takeaway is that explaining creativity through structure. Um, I liked how Casper said that creativity can be structured and optimized. You know, by developing processes and workflows, creatives can enhance productivity and generate a multitude of ideas using tools like AI. You know, this encourages creative individuals to explore structured approaches to their work. Now, I like how he said, develop 100 ideas, and out of 100 ideas, some of them have to be decent, right? You know, the second takeaway is to build an effective in-house agency. Casper said it's important to understand specialist roles within the agency. You know, he advises against overwhelming creatives with unnecessary meetings and tasks outside their expertise. Building an in-house agency should involve optimizing processes and recognizing the strengths of each team member to ensure efficiency and creativity. If you've enjoyed Casper's episode discussing in-house marketing, keep the conversation going and revisit some of our older episodes from the archives. Check out episode 630, Engaging Customers Through Compelling Content with Rish Bhandari, or episode 616, The Evolution of B2B Content Marketing with Edward Permalis. Until next time, I'm Jeff Tomlin. Get out there and be awesome. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Suleiman Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Brandon Moore, and Suleiman Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Suleiman Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.